With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, everyone. Welcome in from high atop Michigan Stadium here. Anthony Broom with Ryan Van Bergen, former Michigan defensive lineman, here to discuss uh, the 35-7 victory for Michigan over UNLV on Saturday in week two of the 2023 season. Similar to last week in a lot of ways, we'll get to it. Uh, we will get to the offensive and defensive takeaways, some of the things to clean up uh, before we do that. Uh, we'll run through the scoring, uh, you know, how, how the score broke down for Michigan. Uh, Wolverines got on the board first uh, with 7.06 to go in the first quarter on a three-yard run from Blake Corum to go up 7-0 after James Turner's extra point. Uh, Corum got on the board again from two, yard, two yards out with 14.56 to go in the first half uh, to go up 14-0. Roman Wilson and J.J. McCarthy's strong connection continued. Those two guys uh, connected for a 13-yard touchdown pass with 24 seconds left to go in the first half for Michigan to take a 21-0 lead into the second half of play where, I didn't mention this, Jay Harbaugh, the interim coach for the first half, passes the baton to Mike Hart for the second half of the game. Uh, Roman Wilson and J.J. McCarthy connect again, this time on a 47-yard touchdown pass uh, at 10:31 to go up. 28-0, and then Corum finishes off his strong day with a five-yard run after the extra point to make, uh, I'm sorry, Blake Corum scores a five-yard touchdown. Michigan leads 35-0 after the extra point. UNLV gets on the board late uh, with a 20-yard touchdown run in garbage time with Michigan's backups in. But all in all, solid effort for the Wolverines, 35-7 win. Uh, Michigan was able to rack up 492 total yards of offense, 313 yards through the air. We'll talk about that passing game again here in a second. Uh, 179 rush yards, pretty clean performance once again as I welcome in my pal and co-host, Ryan Van Bergen. Ryan, welcome back. You were at the game today. I was. Uh, thanks for having me back and got to see the boys play in person. And it was what it was supposed to be. Again, business as usual. Come take care of this opponent. I've heard people referring to these first three, four games as the preseason. And I don't know that I disagree. I think it has been a 
an opportunity to see some guys play and put some other guys out with co- different combinations and see who's going to perform. And uh, there's guys we know are going to perform, AKA number nine, who's playing out of his mind and guys that we're still kind of feeling out what's going to happen. But uh, overall, I thought it was a really clean game and a really efficient and business-like demeanor from the Michigan Wolverines. Absolutely. And we will get into those offensive and defensive takeaways. We'll discuss the things that we want to see them clean up after this game. Uh, we'll also get into your questions. So be sure to hop in the queue for those. We'll start starring those and get those in the chat as well. But before we do that, I want to talk about our friends over at My Perfect Franchise, the presenting sponsor of our Saturday post-game show here throughout the 2023 football season. Uh, you've heard us talk about them for a while. Uh, are you a displaced corporate executive or wanting to put your career in your own hands? Are you an experienced entrepreneur wanting to diversify? Well, our buddy Andy Ludicky can help. Andy is a huge college sports fan, as you guys know, and a franchise veteran. Having owned multiple franchises and businesses, using his expertise, he helps others find their American dream through a very thorough consultation and evaluation process. Call Andy, put your life and career in your own hands. Best of all, his services are 100% free to you. So what do you have to lose? Uh, We have hopped on a couple Zooms with Andy as a company. Uh, Tremendous guy, tremendous partner to this website throughout the year, uh, you know, going back to, I think we started with him sometime in the winter or the spring. Uh, Andy's been tremendous, great partner, as we said before, a big time college sports fan. So his goals align with ours in terms of, uh, you know, following our teams and rooting them to victory and all that good stuff. So uh, find your perfect franchise at myperfectfranchise.net. You can contact Andy at 404-973-9901. And again, over at the website here, if you're watching on the YouTube edition, you see it on screen right now. You could book some time with Andy at myperfectfranchise.net. So thank you so much to the folks over there. Ryan, let's start an offense in this game. And we'll kind of go position group by position group. And of course, it starts with the quarterback situation. J.J. McCarthy, again, uh, just just surgical. Uh, The ball barely touched the ground. 22 for 25, 278 yards. Two touchdowns, no picks, 88% completion percentage, uh, 207.8 passer rating. Also had three rushes for 38 yards. Listen, again, obvious level of competition caveats aside, this guy who is in complete and total command and control of this offense. And uh, even on some of these plays that are well covered, I mean, he is throwing the ball and putting these passes in spots that no one else can get to them. And I think, you know, based on what we've seen, again, East Carolina, UNLV, I get it. Everyone's going to scream from the mountaintops that that's the reason his numbers are the way they are. But this is how it's supposed to look against defenses that you're supposed to shred. I think you have to kind of take a step back and look at where we were a year ago when we're having this debate of Cade McNamara or J.J. McCarthy. They're splitting time at who's starting quarterback. Do you really think Cade – and I I have nothing against Cade McNamara. I wish him well in his career uh, moving forward at Iowa. I'm not one of those fans that harbors any resentment that he left. Uh, But I don't think you put Cade McNamara in position for – or in for J.J. McCarthy in these first two games, and he comes away with the same stat line that you've seen J.J. McCarthy be able to to produce. And he does seem to have the entire offense on a string. He understands everything. There's so many times 
that I, I was, you know, lucky enough to to sit up high in one of the fancy seats. And uh, there's so many times where he's throwing to Corm or Edwards in the flat, and there's a higher risk throw. But Roman Wilson has got leverage on a guy one on one deep, and if JJ puts the ball away from the defender, it might be a touchdown. Now the the checkdown's there, and it's probably the right call to throw to that back. But there's so many times where he could uncork it and maybe make a big play, but he's making the smart play. And I think that's what we expect from him. And I think that there will be more downfield throws in the offense as we develop and get into the tougher part of our schedule. But uh, he's so tuned in. He's so on time. His throws are, like you said, so well positioned. His placement of making sure the defender doesn't have an opportunity for it. You, you really can't ask for more out of the quarterback position. And I feel like this is the most set Michigan has been at the quarterback position maybe as far back as when we had Chad Henney. Yeah. The other thing too, is I think, you know, we, it, it's funny, the best two plays of maybe the last two weeks have been these touchdown throws to, to Roman Wilson last week. It was the one that uh, was just a dart, you know, a dime. He, he freezes the corner. He fires one in the end zone this week. It was the 47 yard pass where, uh, you know, pass protection has been pretty good, but that one, he had to rush up the middle. He kind of steps into the pocket, climbs the ladder, Fires one over, you know, it looked like Roman Wilson was, I forget what the play was, maybe a crossing route, but uh, again, puts the ball exactly where it needs to go, kind of leads him a little bit. And when you're able to to get that guy, the ball, Roman Wilson, the ball accurately and in space with green grass, you see what he does. You know, he does the rest of the work there. So, I mean, for me, it's, I'm starting to kind of get used to it and come around to the idea that teams are going to be so focused on stopping this run game. And ECU made no bones about it. That's what they were going to try to do. Barry Odom, uh, UNLV's head coach, said this week that they were going to have to stop and stuff the run and and do whatever they could. And Michigan is probably as best positioned to go, okay, fine, we'll just throw the ball. Then they've been since, I don't know, insert era here. You invoked Chad Henney's name. I think that's, I mean, JJ's easily their most talented quarterback they've had since then uh in terms of pure passing but this is this is starting to round itself into a legitimate balanced offense and at some point there these defenses are going to have to give roman wilson a little more attention cornelius johnson a little more attention and that's where you're going to start getting some space for these backs who uh, we'll talk about them in a second have kind of gotten off to a rough start but passing game in general i mean when he's it was 15 in a row last week. I think it was the first 13 he hit on this week. Just, uh, I mean, as poised and as locked in as I've seen a Michigan quarterback this early into a year. The other part that I felt was nice is we saw him use his legs a little bit today. I think we all kind of hold our breath when we see him use his legs, but he's such a threat when he, when he takes the ball and, and rushes the ball and you just need to do it enough. I feel like for defenses to remember, to remember and remind themselves either that or, pull it out when you can cause some real damage and no one's staying back for JJ, but um, he's got facets of his game. He hasn't even been able to put on full display yet. And he's playing this well. I mean, he's probably going to climb the Heisman charts. I would say after this performance and to be honest, quarterback wise, he's probably cementing himself as one of the best and potentially the best college quarterback this year. If he continues to play the way he's playing. Couple dollar ninety nine super chats here from our friend Shane Johnson. Shane, we hope to see you in Houston. We keep saying that. Uh, JJ looks like Joe Montana so far, as I expected with the sunglasses emoji. Uh, Shane also says this is the third uh, third all time 
I, I'm sorry, I'm getting confused on the, the reading of that there. I think the third time since the year 2000 uh, with an 87.3 completion percentage, minimum uh, 50 passing attempts. So, yeah, we've talked about, too. I mean, that record, the passing record, 25 touchdowns in a single year, that's in jeopardy, man. I mean, he's right on pace for it right now, and it's. I think he keeps playing the way he does. I mean, he might even have a chance to to break that not early on this season, but maybe towards the back third of the year. But yeah, super impressive stuff from him. Let's move to those running backs. Uh, 179 yards on the ground, 5.4 yards per rush. I think for the most part, uh, a step in the right direction compared to how things went last week. I think it helped that UNLV is just woefully unathletic up front and uh, Michigan's blockers seemed like they were having an easier time finding who they were supposed to get to, which was nice to see given that this is an odd front defense. You know, they run a three, three, five. Some of it's a three, two, six offensive line. I thought had a better day. Still th some things obviously that you want to improve on there, but Blake Corum looked a little more like his vintage self, 15 carries, 80 yards, three touchdowns, still kind of waiting for him to pop that big one, but it seems like it's close. Uh, but overall a workman like day, I think we, that's the second week in a row. We've used this about the run game, but what did you see from those backs today? thought you saw more of the Blake Corum that you're used to seeing. And I think that he, again, I still maintain that there may be a misconception that he's some type of speedster or a guy that's going to run away from defenses. I don't see that as what Blake Corum is. Blake Corum is very quick in small spaces. He slides through holes that other guys don't get through, uh, bursts through the second level, and then typically he's going to get caught on an angle. And so that's what I expect to see from Blake Corum. And between the tackles, especially on the goal line situations, I really liked – how he runs the ball between the tackles, how physical he is, how strong he is. And he looks like he's back to 96, 97, 98% of what Blake Corum has always been for us. JJ just is casting such a huge shadow. I mean, at this point last year, we weren't talking about quarterbacks. We were talking about Corum and what he was able to do. But even though Corum, I think, is still having decent performances, it's just the shadow that JJ McCarthy is casting is too large. And uh, it's it's got to be a good thing because people can't hone in and, and dial in. They're going to have to start – doing something coverage wise to make it not so vanilla. So JJ can't just operate back there and be so comfortable, but their times will come. I really liked, cause I've been waiting. I feel like I've been singing this song for a while now, but I've been waiting for that package where Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards are on the field at the same time. And there was at least a handful of snaps today where you saw that. Cause I just think if you've got Roman Wilson, Cornelius Johnson lined up on the edges and you put Donovan and Donovan Edwards in motion and the threat of Corum going the other direction and JJ's got the ball, what are you going to do as a defense? You pick up any third down you want with those two in the game. So uh, that was exciting. Donovan Edwards, underwhelming stat line. I don't know. He had a hit that he got twisted and maybe just didn't feel awesome afterwards. And the game was pretty well in hand. So maybe we saw a little less of him than was game planned. Uh, but I don't have any concerns at the running back position. It's It should be an indicator that every coach – it's only two so far, but we know the other coaches know when they talk about how they're going to slow down Michigan. The first thing they emphasize is we have to stop the run because we'll just slowly kill you if you allow us to run the football and kudos to the teams we've played. They're not letting us do it. Yeah. You have to take your, you know, tip your hat to the other defense every once in a while. I think they've played two very well coached teams early on this year and that, uh, you know, that's there's been a little bit of a chess match there and making those adjustments and, you know, credit to Sharon Moore, too. I mean, having him back was, I think, a big deal this week because you're able to to make those corrections up front in real time and give that instant feedback that, I mean, you just no no disrespect to who filled in for him last week. You just don't get the same level of coaching uh, from an analyst. So I want to park on this Donovan Edwards thing for a second because I'm not I'm not going to fixate on it. 
and it's been it's two weeks. There's a lot still. I mean, both he and Corum are shaking off some rust from the offseason. Both had offseason procedures. Offensive line is still kind of figuring out. But, you know, six carries for nine yards. Now, he did have the five catches for 26 yards. Looks like he's going to be a pretty reliable check down for uh, for J.J. McCarthy, which is not unexpected at all. I mean, I think that that's what he's basically a slot receiver still learning how to play running back. But, you know, he is a junior. Uh, he This is his third year under Mike Hart. I just need to see a little bit more from him. I can't. And, and these are the expectations he puts on himself, not necessarily what I expect out of him. I, I do expect better out of him. But, you know, when you come off of an offseason where you make comments like you're going to revolutionize the running back position, uh, you know, you're going to uh, that you're one of one. You're you know, you're this star. You're one of the best running backs in college football. I need I need more from him because right now he's a home run hitter but he's not really hitting the singles and the doubles that you want to see from a guy, especially running him uh, between the tackles. Now, part of it is that I think Michigan, you know, at its best, that's a guy you're getting out to the edges and getting him in space. But uh, Donovan Edwards has been, you know, it was, I think, what was it 12 for 37 last week he had, and then the six for nine this week. I just, I don't want to make him a lightning rod, but need that guy to be better. Cause that's when he's on it, that's a guy that unlocks another dimension of this offense. I think so. And I think that when he's at his best, he's so dangerous and so, so much of a concern for a defensive coordinator. And right now what he's done to this point, he hasn't taken a step forward in my opinion, from where he was after the Ohio state game and TCU game. And he was hurt, you know, at that time. So I think we had higher expectations with him having another off season coming in hundred percent healthy, so much focus and emphasis is on quorum. So I think the expectations were high. I think he teed it up for, for the expectations to be high, but I agree. I think we need to see some more out of him. I think that if I were to evaluate where he could improve is I think sometimes he's trying to hit the home run two yards behind the line of scrimmage instead of just allowing the blocks to develop and finding where that gap is and then hit it. But he gets the handoff and it's gas is all the way down. There's not much patience in the way that he runs the football. And I feel like that's a learned skill, but there's no one better at it than his current coach, Mike Hart. I mean, he was a tremendous runner being patient and waiting for Jake Long to get somebody uh, moved so he could, he could make his runs, but I think it's reasonable to expect more from Donovan Edwards. I also think that it's coming as long as he stays healthy. Uh, but that's one area or one player that I feel like statistically has been underwhelming. Um, and hopefully with more opportunities, we'll see more from him. I want to move to the receivers really quick. Not a whole lot to talk about here. We kind of, we talked about the passing game. JJ did a great job spreading the ball around again. Uh, 23, you know, as a team, 23 completions to eight different receivers. Again, Jim Harbaugh talked about when they, you know, start watching the film on Sundays and, and into Monday, you kind of ideally want to come out of it and say, all right, Blake got his touches. Donovan Edwards got his touches. The wide receivers got their targets. Uh, Cornelius Johnson, I'm going to shout him out today. Five catches for 82 yards on six targets. Donovan Edwards, obviously the five catches on the five targets. Roman Wilson, uh, four catches, 89 yards, the two touchdowns, five targets. Tyler Morris, I thought, played really well today. Uh, three catches, 40 yards on his three targets. Uh, quiet day from Colston Loveland, just two catches for six yards. But, you know, we don't think that's going to be the norm for him. But uh, doing a really nice job of spreading the ball around. I think that outside of you – know, and again, this new clock rule, they had four possessions in the first half. Uh, that's 
that's just different too. Like there's just not enough time. It seems like to, to put up these video game numbers. Now again, you got to be a little more efficient and the way that Michigan plays too. I mean, it's not an offense that's going to go out there and score 60 uh, with these rules. I, I just don't see that unless you're throwing the ball 40 times and you're chucking it down the field. But overall, I mean, it's, I think that our perception of, you know, I shouldn't say we, a lot of people's perception of this game is going to be, oh, they didn't cover the spread. They didn't take care of the number, but they were up 35-0 after three quarters. That's basically the amount the starters played. I mean, over the course of an entire game, you're probably on track to score, you know, in the mid forties, if those starters are out there, I, I don't have any issue. A lot of the things I see right now are kind of nitpicks and things I expect to get corrected. I think Blake Corum is going to get that gear back. I think Donovan Edwards is going to be a major weapon for this offense. The offensive line I think is rounding into shape still in the process of finding that best five, but uh, you know, as we kind of wrap up the offensive part of the show, Ryan, I just don't have a lot to nitpick. I mean, it's, it's been efficient and they've taken what defenses have given them and, JJ's picking guys apart, and that's what you want to see. I think the offensive line is probably one of the other areas where we're looking for a little bit more, and I think it's the normal flow and rhythm of starting a college football season that there's some offensive line miscues. But today, just like we saw in the first game, there were some times where our running backs are getting contacted behind the line of scrimmage, and that should never happen if your offensive line is all on the same page. And that happened a couple times where we're making jump cuts as soon as we're getting the ball handed off to us now. That's a product of getting reps as an offensive line and as a unit, but also I think making sure you understand what you're going to see from the opposing team and Carolina, uh, UNLV, these are not standard opponents for Michigan. Not that there's any excuses there, but they saw some things that they don't typically see and they had to adjust. So I think the offensive line will be good. Their pass pro has been great. It's just the run blocking that's somewhat concerning, especially when we're in those need to run scenarios. And we're Michigan. If it's third and one, we're going to put our big boys up and you're going to know it's a run play. And in those situations, it'd be nice to know that we're going to get the yards we need when we play quality opponents. And I don't know that we're in that position just yet. Yeah, those those situations were nearly automatic for them this year. I think at some point they'll be pretty close to that. I, I have no issue saying that this offensive line, I don't think it's going to be as good as the ones they've had the last two years, but I still think it's going to be pretty darn good. But overall, good day at the office, and we'll see what happens from there. But switching over to the defensive side of the ball and a unique challenge this week, as you sort of pointed out. I mean, this is a UNLV team, runs a weird defense. They run the go-go offense, I believe they call it, where you know they're using a lot of tempo. Uh, they are going to get to the line quick. You're not going to be able to do a ton of substitutions. They're going to run the, the, the ball and then try and take a shot on you. And this is – I'm not going to speak for you, but this is a stat that I think you'll appreciate, Ryan. Michigan's top four tacklers today, all defensive linemen. Mason Graham, Jalen Harrell, Chris Jenkins, Braden McGregor, five tackles apiece. Uh, they had five sacks as a team on the day. Uh, so, I mean, last week's performance, I thought they were pretty good last week. ECU is getting the ball out quick, but this week it was, you saw that disruptiveness, you saw the explosion and you saw it, it bears out on the stat sheet now uh, with the tackles for loss. And then also the sack numbers. So uh, just go off on your, your boys up front now, right? Oh, sack city is red bag day. Five sacks, like you said, <laughs> in the uh, first half, if I'm not mistaken, five sacks in the first half against a team that, 
is typically getting the ball off. We talked about, you know, that being the scapegoat last week that, well, they didn't get any sacks because the ball's coming out so fast. This team also got the ball out pretty quick and we still were getting there. I think that's a big credit to the guys, you know, continuing with their rushes. It's a big credit to the secondary. I mean, we're playing kind of with one hand tied behind our back, kind of not with Will Johnson playing maybe five snaps and then Rod Moore, we didn't see game action today. Um, Page again, I don't think played today. So we're three out of our five guys that are typical starters are not back there. And I didn't notice that they weren't back there. They were, they were great in coverage. And, uh, you know, the, the defensive line, I feel like played really well. Mason Graham, uh, we know that he's a special kid in the, in the interior. And I think he didn't have the performance he was looking to have in his, in his home opener. Um, and I think today he, did what he needed to do, finally forced a fumble. We didn't get it back, but he forced a fumble. Uh, Jalen Harrell seems to be emerging, which I thought he would be, as the guy that is that edge pressure guy that we're going to look for on third downs of getting home. And I think he's just gotten better and better, and today was a really good performance with him. Chris Jenkins, the mutant, or whatever they're calling him, really liked seeing him play, but he he's a monster on the interior. A double team doesn't get him moved. Braden McGregor played a lot better than he has, and I feel like this has got to be his year. Uh, he's kind of been waiting to to come on scene and, and have an, an emerging game. And I don't think this was it, but this was this was the first step in that direction. So um, overall, I mean, the defense is just – Jesse Minter's defense, I love watching it. There's no big plays. We're just a wet blanket. You might have a spark pop up here or there, and then someone runs over and just and – that, that's over. You're not doing that anymore. So um, super thrilled for our defense. Would love to see some turnovers get generated if I had to nitpick. But overall – all positions played a very solid, sound football game, and you can't ask for much more besides, you know, not giving up the touchdown. But it's in the fourth quarter, and you're letting some guys play football. Did you ever play with a guy that was as big and as fast or as disruptive as, as a Kenneth Grant was? I think he's been – listen, we talk about all those other guys that we just mentioned. We talk about Chris Jenkins. We talk about Jalen Harrell and Derek Moore, Josiah Stewart. I think through the first two weeks of the year, maybe this is a hot take. Kenneth Grant has been maybe their best defensive lineman. Uh, two third down pressures last week. This week, I think he had, uh, what was it, a sack and a half and was in there on a lot of plays. I mean, that guy is, I mean, he's a true sophomore and he, there's just nowhere to go but up for him. He reminds me of Alan Branch, who I didn't get a chance to play with, but as I was being recruited, got to get to, got to know him a little bit and got to watch him play. And watching him play, it was just unfair because he's obviously bigger than almost everybody he's playing against, but then you see him get off the ball and he's quick and he's fast and he's an athlete. And someone told me he used to return punts in high school branch, not Kenneth Walker, but uh, uh, that's who I see body type and dominance uh, of how he plays on the defensive line. And almost, I'm glad you said something because I almost take it for granted because he's just such a physical specimen that, you better make an impact. How can you not when you look like that and you're out there? So uh, you almost have this expectation that he's good for one solid pressure, one TFL, you know, maybe some more on top of that, but he's been very consistent. I mean, we're, we're good on the interior. We got three really good ones in, and Kenneth Walker, uh, not Kenneth Walker, but uh, Walker, Mason Graham, and uh, I can't remember the other guy when we had him pulled up, but I just, I feel like, he's going to continue to develop and he's going to be a guy that plays on Sundays for sure. Yeah. Chris Jenkins, Mason Graham, Chris Kenneth Jenkins. Grant, probably, probably as good of a defensive tackle, you know, cluster of guys that they've had in a while. Um, like seeing a lot more explosion uh, from that position too, uh, instead of just guys eating blocks and, you know, on the grant thing really quick. I mean, my last point on him is that 
you know, we saw guys like, like Mozzie Smith and Chris Hinton are as good as, as it's been the last, you know, four or five years in terms of guys who have held down the middle of that defense up front. And it takes those guys. Some, I mean, they were both highly recruited and sometimes it takes those guys three, four years to really put it all together. Kenneth Grant's a true sophomore. And like you said, I mean, inherently when you move the way he does, when you're as big as he does, you're going to be disruptive by virtue of just being on the football field. But man, oh man, I mean, he looks like, you know, for all this talk that there is about the guys that they'll lose off this team and this defense next year, I mean, he's going to be right up there uh, in terms of one of their better players. But I want to go through some defensive stats here. Um, I had them pulled up. That's a bad radioing on my part. Um, UNLV was three for 12 on third down, 0 for three on fourth down. Uh, did force a fumble, didn't recover it. Uh, no turnovers. Again, that's uh, almost had one. Uh, another interception that was not quite an interception, but a nice athletic play from the Michigan secondary. I forget who it was. Maybe it was Keyshawn Harris. But, you know, the fact that those guys are in position to make those plays will lead you to believe that it's going to happen for them at some point this year. And then, of course, we're, we're going to see them get Will Johnson mixed in a little bit today. That was nice to see. You didn't have Makari Page on the field. Rod Moore dressed, but he didn't play again. Again, I'd have to imagine. We talk about how these have been preseason, essentially preseason games, and, and it's been right for Michigan to treat them as such. But I kind of feel like next week is, you know, you're under the lights, 730, uh, 7.30 game. There's going to be the light show, the new lights that they installed here at Michigan Stadium. Big 10 openers the next week. I've, I have to, I would have to think next week is the dress rehearsal. And a lot of these guys who, we're kind of on the fence. Uh, we'll get in there for more extended action. But outside of Amorian Walker, the injuries they have right now, not really – I don't want to say they're not a big deal, but more bumps and bruises than anything. Nothing seems too long-term. But, yeah, any other lingering defensive thoughts as we – and, again, we will get into your guys' questions. We have a few starred here to get into, but uh, chat's wide open right now. So questions, comments, uh, we will get them starred, and we will get them on the show. But – Ryan, your final thoughts on the Michigan defense. I thought everybody played really well, but something we don't talk about is the linebackers. I feel like UNLV really challenged the linebackers in some of their eye discipline and some of their zone drops, and I thought they played really well. I think that Junior Colson uh, is is an elite talent at linebacker. Michael Barrett always knows where to be and makes sound tackles, and I think uh, Ernest Hauserman, I think is the last name, but uh, Hausman, yep. Hausman, I, I thought played – another solid game uh, had one time in coverage and I thought he was a little bit too distant, but I mean, for the most part, these guys seeing weird looks from UNLV, I don't know if everybody saw what their backfield looks like sometimes, but they have some very unique formations offensively that they run a lot of option and triple option looks and triple option pass and um, gave the linebackers some things that they had to really play disciplined football. And you would have noticed if they didn't, but you didn't notice. So they did. So they played a really solid game and um, linebackers, as much as you want to talk about everybody on defense contributes, linebackers are your quarterback. So if your linebackers are playing well, typically the other position groups are going to come along with them. All right, well, let's move into questions. Uh, this is from Babylon1985, who says, both Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards looked like they were jogging out there. Is that intentional? Uh, I'll just say quickly, my view of that is that I don't th – I don't want to put this. Uh, I don't think that they are – jogging I, I, and I don't think that it looks like they've lost a step I really just think that they kind of they're just not 
back quite to 100% yet offensive line. You know, that's a very symbiotic relationship. You know, I, I, I don't think those guys are treating it as a walkthrough, certainly with Corum. Uh, I don't think Edwards is either, but I just think that they are, things are still a little bit sloppy there. That's all. I didn't play running back. I have got very limited reps through my peewee time in football <laughs> playing and being able to handle the football. But uh, what I think could be a an issue that they're going to have to figure out how to get through and wouldn't be hard to work through, but they both know that they're going to get a little bit more limited reps because of the other guy being there and the talent that they have. So I could see it being a thing where they're a little bit slower when they get the ball handed to them because, or they're in a rush, like I was talking about with Donovan Edwards, because they're looking for that home run because they don't have as many opportunities. And when you're looking for the home run, sometimes the home run doesn't reveal itself to your five yards downfield, seven yards downfield, then you make a cut. So I think that might be one factor contributing to the lack of production for both of them is go get your five, go get your seven, your clean seven, and then see if there's a move to be made to get the home run. But don't look for the home run the second you've got the ball put in your hands. And uh, I'm not saying that I see that exactly, but I do think that that's an element that could exist and something that could be a factor uh, holding them back from getting what they may be able to get otherwise. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, you jog in this sport in a college football game. I, I don't care if you're playing UNLV or Ohio State or Georgia. If you're not moving at full speed, someone's going to decapitate you. So I don't, I don't see that as an issue with them right now. Again, it's just, just haven't quite been up to their standards. And, and again, I think there is a lot of, uh, you know, there is a lot of big game hunting going on right now. Instead of just, just play the game. You know, make your read. Uh, you know, find, find. Find the hole that you need to hit in order to get in the open field and make your plays from there. Um, so we'll see. Again, two weeks in, I thought we'd be a little more ahead of the curve in terms of what we've seen out of those guys, but there's I have very little concerns about those two. So uh, we'll see what happens. A lot they played a lot of football. They've got a lot of tape that would suggest that we know what the norm is when they're going well. So. Uh, this one's kind of a two-parter. Uh, I'll go to Timothy Brantz first, who says, backup quarterback situation is concerning. And I would agree with that, um, you know, right now. And again, part of it is that J.J. McCarthy is as good as he is. There's going to be a drop-off if that backup has to come into a game and play meaningful snaps, especially given the fact that right now it looks like they're kind of trending towards being pass first, at least through two weeks. But, yeah, I'm not uh, – Davis Warren hasn't really done a lot to turn heads. Jack Tuttle had a nice run to start the game or to start his time out there. And then, you know, he almost gets decapitated on the sideline and, and comes out of the rest of the game. Jane Denegal did some things uh, surprised that we didn't see Alex orgy. We'll talk about that here in a second, but uh, backup quarterback. I mean, typically it seems like historically Michigan has kind of had someone to bring in that, you know, maybe they're not quite ready to go right now, but you're confident that this guy is going to be, if not your starter next year, compete for that job either next year or a year down the road. And uh, we don't, I mean, if JJ McCarthy looks the way he does right now, I don't know if he's here in 24, even if he is, I don't know that his successor is on the roster right now. I would agree. I think that's a, 
astute observation, and I would agree that the backup quarterback situation is a very big concern, especially the way J.J. plays. He's a gunslinger. He's a wild child. There's going to be a time where he gets a hit or something that doesn't feel great, and he's going to need some relief. And right now, God forbid that's on the road at Penn State or at home versus Ohio State or something like that because the drop-off right now is, you know, private jet G6 riding first class, and then we get our backup in and we're riding Spirit in the back near the toilets. That's that's the drop-off that we have from starting quarterback mm-hmm. to backup quarterback. And, you know, I'm not trying to take anything away from those guys. I, I just – I would be very concerned as to, the, as to the production of our offense if J.J. McCarthy wasn't running it. And – um as far as I know, there's still practices left to compete and reps to be had, and some one of these one of these guys should emerge as the clear backup. But I would also agree with you, and would love to hear if you have any more information on what is the deal with Alex Orgy. I want to see this kid on the field. I want to see an offense featured with a, this this athlete at quarterback that could be a totally different package. I think that could complement JJ McCarthy. Um, but I don't know if they're keeping it tight lipped or if I'm just not reading the right press releases. I don't understand why Alex Orgy hasn't seen the field. Yeah, it's odd. Uh, and again, Leo asks, is Alex Orgy hurt? He didn't get into the game. That's two weeks in a row. Uh, Shab fam. Uh, hello, Shab fam. Good buddy of the show. Says Orgy is an athletic freak. Is he just a terrible passer or something? I don't know what's going on there. I wish I had Intel to share. I'm sure, you know, we'll do some digging on it, but you know, sitting here as we record this, you know, 7.50 PM the night after the game or the night of the game. I, I don't know. And again, I mean, it's, you talk about Penn state or Ohio state losing the quarterback. I mean, right now, I mean, we've seen it before. I mean, um, I think this is the year after you were there, but Michigan's gone to Nebraska before and gotten its quarterback knocked out. And there was, I mean, film showed what it did there was a major drop-off from denard robinson to russell bellamy and i i I think that they have better pieces than that right now question mark but yeah you got you know what because at some point i mean maybe jj puts his shoulder down and his helmet gets knocked off well guess what you got to come off the field for a snap and you know as we've seen at times you know think of the michigan state game in 2021 Cade has to come out of the game for a snap. JJ comes in, fumbles the football in a pretty key situation in that game. So again, you know, not going to sit here and, and linger on it on a day where, you know, Michigan wins and you're two and zero, and things look pretty darn good, but it is something to think about that, you know, there's not, there's not as much clarity there as I thought there would be right now. And maybe who that number two guy is winds up rotating throughout the year, but Right now, I mean, Alex Orgy, I know this, if he's healthy, and I don't know that he is hurt, but if he's healthy, what he does well, at least kind of complement, you can change what your offense looks like. He maybe complements that run game a little bit more, and uh, you know, you have guys start cheating up, and then maybe you pop a shot down the field. I think the way, what I've seen in warmups and, and you know, in the bit of action we've seen, he's got a live arm. He could throw the ball, you know, 80 yards down the field, but you know, you got to be able to put some touch on it. You got to be able to be accurate, make the right reads, make the right throws. And I think there's something to the fact that we don't hear whenever we have the Alex orgy conversation, it's not about, Oh, well, how does he factor in the quarterback races? Oh, well, let's make him a jumbo kick returner, or maybe he's a running back. Maybe he's a gadget guy in the end zone. So again, I mean, I think the fact that uh, again, I don't know what's going on with him right now, but the fact that we haven't heard his name more as it pertains to the backup quarterback situation kind of speaks for itself, I guess. I don't know how else to put that. 
this one is from I like this one from AO underscore KO. He says, Do you think they will pull Jake Thaw from punt returns? Tyler Morris looked more comfortable fielding kicks. I do not, similar to how Caden Colazar was handling punt returns, I think two years ago. I do not think that will last. Someone's going to rise up and take that job. It's either going to be probably a freshman or a somewhat inexperienced guy. And Carmelo English did a little bit of it last week. Tyler Morris handled it later in this game. And I want to give Jake Thaw uh, some credit too. I think he did have a nice return earlier in the game. But with what I saw from Morris, I mean, I, I'd have zero qualms about putting him out there. I thought so. I thought he looked a little bit more twitchy and a little bit more explosive with the ball in his hands. And, you know, I think that he's a guy that might be able to break one, break one open. And that's what you need at that position is someone who can change the game and take care of the football. And I think he should get some more looks because he looked very good today. And someone's got to show up out of that position and in that position and look explosive and look dangerous and look like a threat. And we've got so many athletes on this team and so much depth. So all over the place that there will be a guy. And I think they're taking the approach of giving everybody some opportunities. And uh, I think that Tyler Morris today did really well with the opportunities he got. Uh, we're going to, I'm going to do last call for questions here. There's a couple in the queue I want to get to, uh, but first we'll take this one from Adam Shepardson. He says, is there any injury news on Darius Clemens? I still think he can beat a weapon. Also, our wide receivers and tight ends haven't consistently been blocking great. It's kind of concerning, especially CJ on the Loveland end around. I'll just address the Clemens one first. He was on the injury report that was released before the game. I don't recall seeing him out there. I think late in the game, it was like Samaj Morgan and Fred Moore and someone else, the name escapes me, but I don't remember seeing number zero out there on offense. And again, he's kind of been, was banged up a bit in camp, played last week, but Again, still on the injury report. I'm not really sure, but I, Ryan, I want to focus on this one for you. Um, wide receiver tight end blocking, something that Michigan often says, no block, no rock. And obviously guys are getting the ball because JJ slinging around the yard the first couple of weeks. But uh, I, again, I would agree a bit to be desired there as well. I would say that I would also say the receivers are suffering from the same situation that the offensive line is in that teams are, geared into stopping the run and making sure these guys stay contained. And so they're going up against a guy that is likely keyed in on run as a corner, as a safety. And that's a lot tougher job when the guy across from you is right or guesses right or knows tendencies and knows that the run play is coming. So uh, I think that there's more to be desired, but I also think that the development of the Michigan passing, Michigan passing game will continue to get these guys better opportunities, even in blocking because the defense defense isn't going to know what's coming. And I also will say, cause as I watched that end around, I was like, that was a weird play design, but I'm convinced that the Loveland end around was a setup for another play that they run off of that because I was talking about it on the, as the play developed as much as I like Loveland, he might be the slowest skill guy out there, including JJ. So why was he the one getting the ball on the jet sweep when anybody else would be a better athlete with the ball in their hands? But the next series, I believe, was JJ's big run, and it was the exact same setup, and that made more sense, put Colson Loveland as the lead blocker. So um, 
I'm not concerned about our receivers and tight ends. I think that our offensive line needs to get a little bit more secured and, and the tight ends and receivers will do an adequate job at the very worst. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. It's like, why is, you know, think back to the TCU game as painful as that is. And then think back to this game. Why is Colston Loveland the trick play weird wrinkle guy all of a sudden? It's kind of wacky, but Sharon Moore was back today, of course. And that leads into the question from Shab Fam, another one from Shab Fam, who says, did you guys see any difference in offensive play uh, gameplay with Sharon back as the offensive coordinator? Uh, I think from a passing perspective, I saw pretty much a continuation of what we saw last week. Uh, like the little wrinkle we got right off the bat with Blake Corum as a check down guy. I think that's establishing him as a threat to catch the ball was fun too. Um, I will say uh, better results in the run game. There were a couple of more, uh, saw a little more creativity or attempts at creativity in the run game. Uh, speaking of guys that you don't see trick plays run for a lot. I think that's the first time we've ever seen Cordelius Johnson take an end around at Michigan. And that, worked out fairly well. So yeah, I, I think that to their credit, I think the offensive identity that they established last week more or less stayed intact, but obviously having more back, the value there is the real time feedback, the communication It's just one more piece in that chain of command that gets back to normal as we get one more, one more week to serve of this Jim Harbaugh uh, situation. But yeah, thoughts on what he brought to the table. I, I really enjoyed it and thought our offensive play calling has been, solid for both games that we've opened up with. I think we have a good balance of run and pass. I think we've got a great mixture of formations. We're under center and we're in the gun, you know, 50, 50, I feel like, and we play action out of under center. We run the ball out of shotgun. If you're a defensive coordinator, you probably have some long nights in the week leading up to playing Michigan. And, you know, Sharon Moore, I think he does a tremendous job. I think he's going to be a head coach in the near future, or at least a prospect of a head coach in the near future. And I also think that they have the benefit of this offense having so much talent all the way around that they could roll a randomizer on the play sheet, run that, and it's probably going to work. Not only is he a likely future head coach, he will be the head coach next week as we uh, the wheel of interim coaches uh, comes to a stop after next week. Sharon Moore gets the nod. Obviously, Jay Harbaugh, Mike Hart did today. Jesse Minter did last week. Uh, let me check the question queue here. We have one more left, uh, and I think that's what we're going to end on. Just a quick one here. Uh, where did it go? Oh, Courtney Harper asks, where is Ladarius Henderson? Yeah, that's been interesting, too, because he comes over from Arizona State in the offseason. From everything we heard was essentially – maybe not written in Sharpie, but written in pencil as the team's starting left tackle and wasn't with the team in the spring. Uh, didn't get with the team until fall camp. And Jim Harbaugh's talked about using the quote unquote Michigan method and letting these position battles play out into the season. It was the same five starters on the offensive line today. Carson Barnhart on the left, Miles Hinton on the right side. In fact, Trent Jones was out there too as an extra blocker. I don't know where Ladarius Henderson is. And I, I, I think I expected that Michigan's best five was going to include him in it, but I haven't really haven't seen him out there. And I don't know, I guess what I'll switch it to is this, Ryan. I mean, of this starting five that's currently out there, do you think, do you see a road for them to be their best five or should this competition still keep rolling along? I do feel like I see Miles Hinton struggling in run block every now and again. 
great pass protector, but I do see times where he doesn't get any movement off the line of scrimmage. He's in a single with a guy that's undersized and we should be winning that matchup. So I'd like to see if anyone can get into that spot and what kind of run game production, because maybe he's the best we have, but there's been times where I thought that there's more to be desired from him in run blocking. And it's tough to see the center, but I also think that we're definitely missing Olu uh, from last year. And it's, I don't know who the backup would be or who, what the competition's like at that position, but I knew at the tackle position specifically, we had a little bit more depth. So uh, if the run game doesn't come together more, I think that the first experiment would be who do we try at right tackle? We'll see what happens. Uh, next week will be pretty telling. Like I said, I think it's going to kind of be the dress rehearsal for this football team. But, uh, well, we do have one more question, and this one is specifically addressed to you, Ryan. So uh, another one from Adam Shepherdson, who says, RVB, would you prefer a one-on-one rush, or did you like the rushing games? And do you honestly think this team should do more or less? Uh, I think it's all about the variety, as much of a corny answer as that's going to be for you, Adam. But if you go straight at a guy every time, he knows exactly how to set up on you. But if he's got the risk of a getting ear hold by your three technique because you could run in a twist game, it slows him down and makes my one-on-ones better. So my, for me, it was all about making sure that there was a mixture, making sure they didn't know what we were doing. Because the second they know what you're doing, it's a lot easier to set on you and, and get themselves into a position that's better. So for me, it was all about variety. Move me around. Don't just make us run vanilla and give us an opportunity. And that's something that I think these guys will get to. I don't know that they have it yet because they're still kind of growing and maturing. But as you get later in the season, I had the green light for Madison. Like you think there's a twist available. You think you have the slide going away from you. or You think you have the man side of the, the, the protection. I trust you. Make a call. Call what you want. And, and so we did. And there was a lot of times that – you don't know what would happen if you went straight, but we called a game and came away with a sack. So uh, I think that the variety is the spice of life that you need there on the defensive line. And I think you saw a good mixture of that today. And the biggest thing is that would be a concern, which I didn't see today would be, are you seeing guys not winning in one-on-one scenarios when you call the straight rush? And we saw guys winning on edge today. Uh, the, the games got home, but so did the one-on-one rushes. So I, my, any concerns I had about pass rush after week one have been settled in you know, still waiting to see more. It's early, but uh, we've got guys that can rush a passer. And doing it against opponents that you should absolutely do it against. And then the dimmer switch will get a little more, uh, the lights get a little brighter. And I can tell you right now, uh, they have the lights on at the big house. I'm up in the coach's box. They just flip these lights on. I can tell you they're brighter because they're flashing right in my eyes. So that'll be something to, uh, to, uh, to watch for next week. But uh, yeah, I, I can already kind of see the comment section now on, on these videos and, and on the message board, whatever. Um, those guys were super negative after a, a four score victory. Listen, I, I can't, I'm not going to sit on, you know, sit on this show and tell you that after beating UNLV by 28 points in week two, you're winning the national title. I like what I've seen from this team. I think that there's more to unlock with this team. And overall, I'm pretty encouraged. I'm pretty darn encouraged by what we see. And, and I think the best part about it too, Ryan, is that we know that the things that they need to clean up, they are completely capable of doing and they have the personnel to do. So through two weeks, I mean, if I had to grade them, I'd throw a solid B, B plus on them. But when the starters have been in there for the first three quarters of these first two weeks, it's been dominant and I won't make excuses for them. They haven't been perfect. Uh, I think the clock rules certainly kind of limits at times how many offensive possessions you're going to get. But 
overall, I mean, there's not really a whole lot to harp on or complain about. I agree. And if my perception seems negative, I apologize. I just like to see where there's opportunities to improve. We can sit here and talk about how great everybody is and kumbaya and all that stuff. But if you're a competitor and you want your team to be the best in the country, you're going to look at where can we be better? And that's what the coaches are doing. That's what the players are doing. Um, No specific player would I want to throw under the bus or anything like that. It's just when you see opportunities that maybe this team could improve, that's what the show's about is talking about those things. So I, I enjoy it. And I, I honestly think this still, you know, preseason hype was, was very high, but this very well could be, I haven't seen anything that says that this team isn't capable of going to the national championship, winning another big 10, beating Ohio state again. Uh, those things are all very much on the table. And I think we just want to see things get cleaned up to secure that future, you know, and um, who knows this team very likely could be, Number one, number two team in the country. We won't find out against Bowling Green, but we'll we'll get a little bit more uh, of what this team's about under the lights. Well, we'll see what happens against Bowling Green indeed. This will be a late show next week, of course, with the night game, 7.30 at the Big House. Be a, you know, Pray for your, your fellow beat writers and, and journalists out there. It'll be a late night. A lot of a big-time iced coffee day for me, just speaking for myself. But uh, – that's going to do it for our show today. Like and subscribe to uh, if you're watching on the YouTube channel or listening in a podcast feed. Uh, subscribe for more of what we have to offer here at the Wolverine post game shows. Of course, uh, within the first, you know, within usually about a half hour of each game ending. Maybe a little bit quicker for the road games because I won't be doing as much travel this year. But uh, great stuff as always. Ryan Vinbergen will be with us every week. Uh, if you're not a subscriber of the on site content yet. Right now, we're running a deal where you get one dollar uh, ax or one dollar for your first month's access as a new subscriber, or twenty five percent off an annual subscription. So head on over to the Wolverine.com and check that out if you haven't already. A lot of great stuff coming from uh, the guys and our team over there. So uh, again, thank you so much to Ryan Van Bergen. Thank you to our producer Megan behind the scenes, and thank you so much to you guys who uh, watch live and take time out of your Saturday night to. Uh, to hang out with us. And for those of you, of course, listening after the fact, maybe as you're driving home on Saturday from the game or making breakfast on Sunday morning, we love and appreciate all of you. So uh, for everyone here at the Wolverine, I'm Anthony Broom. Michigan wins 35 to seven over UNLV on to Bowling Green. It is Ryan here. And I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.